Kyle said earlier, we're in, into a new series at the start of the year. It's a series, you know, we make all kinds of resolutions, right? These kinds of things we want to do, whether it be exercise or diet or we want to do this more or this less or whatever. Um, we thought it would be good to just kind of start the new year off with what are the practices of a disciple? What are some things that disciples, followers of Jesus do because they're followers of Jesus? Not to earn God's favor, but because God has placed his favor on us. And one of those practices that we see all throughout history for those who have followed Christ is this practice, this desire to spend time with God in his word. And so that's something that a disciple does, not again to earn God's grace, but because God's been gracious to us, as we sang about. He's, he's given us his life. And so out of gratitude to him, we want to hear what he has to say to us. And I want you to turn in scriptures, if you have a copy of the scriptures with you, or maybe a Bible app on your phone, I want to encourage you to just join me in Psalm 119. Verse 25, Psalm 119, 25. And the psalmist is writing, and I would encourage you, if you've never read Psalm 119 it's in, in its entirety, that could take the entire year because it is a very long psalm. Um, that might be a resolution for you. But it's an entire song or psalm just about God's truth, about God's word. And the writer's love and passion to spend time with God, hearing from him in his word. And there's a verse that I think is appropriate for us when it comes to this morning and the story that Matt's going to share, as well as the importance of God's truth. And the psalmist writes, he says, my soul clings to the dust. Just kind of stop there for a moment. My soul clings. Have you ever been there? You ever been in a moment in life when you just feel like you're just clinging for life or death? I mean, just holding on. Whatever's going on in life, situation, circumstance, you just feel like everything's crashing around you and you don't know what to do next. All the dreams that you thought you had or you wanted to have seem to be just crumbling around you. And he's saying, my soul clings. It's clinging. It's holding on. Look at what is he holding on to, to dust. Now, if I'm going to cling to something, it's probably not going to be dust. I'm going to go for a tree. I'm going to go for a rock. And maybe he tried that. But he's... I mean, his situation is so desperate that he's, he's just grasping for anything. I'm, I'm clinging to dust. That's how bad this is. All I can grab a hold of is just dust, and I'm not finding anything. I'm not finding any life. I'm not finding any security. I'm not finding any, any confidence. I'm, I need a rock. I need something that can just breathe life into me right now because I feel like everything around me is just, I'm just suffocating. And so in that situation, he, he prays. And this is what he prays. He says, God, give me life. I need life, God. I feel like I'm suffocating from the sorrow. You see that in verse 28. My, my soul melts away, melts away for sorrow. And he says, God, I need life. I feel like just because of the circumstances around me, somebody just hit me in the gut and just everything, all the air that I had to, to live is just gone. And he says, I just need life. But look at what he asks God for. As to the source for this life, he says, give me life where? In your word. In your words, God. Why would he go there? Why would he ask to to go there? Because he must know something. He must know that contained in the very words of God, the very voice of God, the very speech of God, there's life. There is something that he needs to fill his spiritual lungs so that he can have the oxygen to keep going. And where does this life come from that's found in the words of God? Well, fast forward a thousand years and go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And so here you have a psalmist who's experiencing incredible sorrow. And he's asking God for life. And he says, God, I need that life and I, I need you to give it to me according to your word. And fast forward a thousand years and the Apostle Paul, the great missionary of the church, writes a letter to his young protege, Timothy, who's probably in his 20s, his 30s, pastoring a, a church. And this is what he says to Timothy. In verse 16, he says, All Scripture is breathed out by God. Think on that for a moment. Breathed out by God. The exhale, the very speech of God. All Scripture. Breath. Life, he says, is breathed out by God. All of it. And profitable. It's beneficial. It's, it's helpful. It's useful. It produces change. It, it produces results for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And that word equipped means to be furnished. It's kind of like you buy your first home and you have nothing. So what do you do? You furnish it. Right? You furnish it with things you need in order to live inside this home. And what he's saying is what you need to furnish your life with in order to live as a follower of Jesus is the Word of God. God's words are the furnishings the disciple needs for life. It's all contained here. He says for every good work, the good work of marriage, the good work of suffering, which we're going to hear in a moment, the good work of of parenting, the good work of work, the good work of whatever it might be, worship and praise. You want to know how to live. You want to know where where you need to find the information in order to be a a godly husband, a godly wife, a a godly friend, a, a great employee. You go to here. You go here. He says You want to furnish your life with what you need to live for Jesus? You go to God's Word for every good work, even the work of suffering. And that's what we saw from the psalmist, and that's what we're going to hear from Matt. I'm going to ask Matt to come. And we talk about why should we read Scripture, and Matt's story is going to be a great example of we need to read God's Word because God's Word is what God has given us to give you the spiritual oxygen you need when you are suffocating from suffering. That's why. Matt and I have known each other, I was thinking about it, probably for about 15 years or more, when you were just a teenager, right? (laughs) Right? So um, when he was back in his teenage years, all right, and when I was just a couple years ago, all right? Um, And Matt's been with Living Church for the past five years. And Matt, as many of you know, you know him, he's incredibly talented. Talented in graphic design, you'll see him play guitar in the band, um, with us, and those of you know, know Matt too, he has a heart and a, a love for Jesus. Um, and, and I'm just thankful that Matt's willing to share his story, because whenever you share your story, it's not always easy, right? Because it forces you to think back during those times when it was hard, when suffering comes, when you feel like you're clinging to the dust. Um, and Matt's story, is specifically the, this last year, I think is one that many of us can relate to, resonate with. Maybe not the same situation, but similar types of feelings and emotions that come with pain and struggle. Um, but what I really want you to hear this morning as he shares and as we kind of have conversation back and forth 
is I really want you to hear and see the power of God's word in this guy's life. And how through one of the most intense difficulties a person could experience, and specifically in his case, the power of God through the Holy Spirit to encourage this guy to persevere through a struggle, through suffering. And that's what I want you to hear this morning. And Matt would be the first to tell you that's what he wants you to hear. This isn't about him. This isn't about us. This is about God and his word. And through God's word, you experience life. Um, so tell us a little bit about you. Help them, those that might not know you, get to know you a little bit, where you work, what you do, where you live, all that stuff. Yeah, so my name is Matthew Duggar. I, I know most of you, but if you don't know me, um, come up and say hi to me at the end of service. Um, 27 years old. I live and work downtown. I work in graphic design. I design packaging for P&G Healthcare, and um, I walk to work every day. It's fantastic. And you could probably see my office from here. Um, but um, I'm currently with the Crescent Springs Living Community. I've been, it was Covington, now Crescent Springs. Been with them for about, well, since they started. So uh, whatever that is, three years or so, which is crazy to think about. Um, yeah, so that's a, little, that's a little bit about me. Help us understand, I, I, the question I asked you before today was, in a couple words, describe last year. Yeah, so in, in a couple words, if I had to sum up my year last year, and, and several of you know kind of what I've gone through, and when you hear my story, you'll kind of understand why I've kind of synthesized things down into these words. It's just, um, it was a heartbreaking year for me, and it was very uncertain, but it was also extremely hopeful. And the hope that I had in the last year is, is really what we're going to talk about today because that's the thing that I think anybody can relate to that's going through any form of suffering. And even if you're not going through any form of suffering, it's still the hope that we cling to. We're still on this planet. Things are still happening. And I, I know personally I had a difficult year last year, but I know a lot of people that had a lot of suffering happen in their lives last year. And just globally, it just seemed like you know, there was a lot of celebrity deaths. There was a lot of division in our country during election season. There was a lot of things that were happening around the world in nations that were just dividing people and people were just getting hurt by them. And I, I just think this is an appropriate time to kind of reflect back on that and not take it, not, not minimize it by any means, but take the hope out of it that we have and know that this is the world that we live in, and there are going to be times like that in our lives, but there's still hope. Help us um, kind of paint the picture a little bit about why you use the words heartbreaking, um, uncertain. Talk, talk us through a little bit about what, what took place last year. So last year, really my suffering started probably in, in 2015. Uh, being, I, I had a really hard you know, last half of the year. Um, so... To first of all, just to give a synopsis, I last year at the beginning of 2016, I was married. Now I am not, um, and there were a lot of events that took place that led to that happening, and and it was really it was really hard. And that's not something that, especially as a 27 year old, in really involved in church, really involved in the community, um, that's that's not something you really ever anticipate happening to you. That's not. It, it wasn't a plan for my life. It was, it was not welcomed by any means. And, but it was something that got allowed to happen to me. And as I went through the year and as I suffered on, I just kind of had to 
adjust and really cling to God's word and really cling to him when going through this thing that was completely uncertain and completely, my heart was completely broken over it. And, um, but the, but the hope was in that I was constantly in his word, I was constantly in prayer. Um, so I'll rewind back to 2015. I'll go a little deeper into that. Um, there was, there was a day specifically I remember, um, where it was, I, I remember just kind of being present in the moment. I don't know if you ever have those times where you're just like, this is a great moment in my life, and like I'm just soaking this all in, and I love this. And I remember um, Kyle Ackerson and his wife Alyssa, um, then they were dating, were over at our house one night, and we were just talking, and they, were, they invited us to come to Cedar Point with them. And it was just, it was the day before, it was like 11 o'clock at night, we were getting up at 5 a.m. to drive to Sandusky to be there by the time it opened, and we were like, yeah, that sounds fun, and so we just got tickets, and we left at 5 o'clock in the morning, and we got there, we had a great day, we had so much fun, we rode every single roller coaster in the entire park, we um, were exhausted by the end of the day, and I just remember we were on the beach in Sandusky, Ohio, in the, if you can call it a beach, where Lake Erie is, (laughs) And we were, like, swimming in the ocean, and we were taking pictures, and we were having so much fun. And I just remember being in this moment and just being like, this is such a great moment. Like, God has really done some great things in my life. But I got this overwhelming feeling that something bad was about to happen. And, and God doesn't always work that way. It's not, God works in lots of different ways, and, and sometimes it's a gut feeling. It's not always like that with me, but in this instance, I just got this gut feeling that, like, enjoy this moment because suffering is knocking at my door, and I just kind of enjoyed the rest of the day, went and got seafood, we drove back, we were exhausted, it was literally a 24-hour day, and, um, and sure enough, that next week, I started waking up, and I started having health problems and anxiety, and there were nights where I couldn't even, like, I, I could barely even sleep. I'd sleep for an hour or two, and I'd just be sitting up on the couch, like, praying to God that I would just go to sleep. And so I go into the doctor thinking, okay, this is the suffering that God is bringing me. I'm about to have a health problem, and I'm going to go in. The doctor's going to tell me some news I don't want to hear. I go in, and I, I was sure because I was having a hard time breathing. I was like, I have throat cancer. I swear I think I have throat cancer. So I go into the doctor, and I'm like, I think I have throat cancer. They're like, okay, you probably don't. Um, <laughs> you, you don't smoke. You, you, know, you don't have any of the signs of it, but we'll, you know, we'll do some tests and we'll tell you what it is. So they do, and they're like, you have acid reflux. It's not throat cancer. I was like, well, that's a relief. <laughs> but at the same time, I was so sure that that was the suffering that was knocking at my door. And so I was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I still just had this feeling. Not much more than a week after our day at Cedar Point, um, I remember having a conversation with my wife, and things just started to feel really off. And I really didn't know what was happening. All I could tell you was that things had changed in a pretty dramatic way, and I didn't know what to do. Um, we had several conversations about it, and they just really didn't go. I, there were things that I didn't want to hear at the time and things that were um, really hard to kind of digest that, uh, in a marriage. And that's when kind of the suffering began. And, you know, even during that time, I was praying, and I was, I was hopeful that things would turn around. And 
as time would go on, things just kept getting progressively worse and worse. And by the end of the by the end of 2015, they were just amplified so far beyond, like you know, just the amount of healing that was going to have to take place. I knew I wasn't going to be leaving the suffering at any any period of time in the near future. <clears throat> Come 2016, um, nothing had really changed. We were trying to trying to work things out and get better. We were meeting with friends from our living community. Our living community was praying for us. We were meeting with you and Andrea and just really trying to invest in God's word. So every night we would read our Bible separately and then we'd read, them t- read it together. And it just seemed like we were doing all the right things, but the thing that needed the issue that needed fixing just wasn't being addressed. And it was kind of the elephant in the room that we were doing all of these things and just coming up a mile short. So 2016 comes, and we're continuing to do these things. And I remember it. there was a moment where she said, I need space, I want you to leave. And this was this the time she asked me that. My parents had just flown out to San Diego, California, where my family's from, and to be with my grandma, who is dying of bladder cancer. She was only given a few months to live. So all of this is happening at the same time. So I leave, and I go. I stay at this little Airbnb in East Walnut Hills, and every night I'm there. I'm in my Bible. I'm praying. I'm, I'm fasting because I know how intense the situation is and what the outcome could be, and I didn't want that to happen. And all this, too, I had just started a new job. So now I'm in a place where I don't know anybody, trying to impress people that I've never worked with before, having to deal with this situation at the same time, and just kind of all these things happening all at the same time was very heavy and very hard to deal with. so I stayed at that Airbnb for a while, and just to show you the sovereignty of God, and, and just I think it, this was his way of reminding me that he was still in control of the situation and that he was allowing this to happen for a reason. I remember, I, I haven't had cable for like four years at this point or something. Ever since I like started living on my own, I was just like, I'll have Netflix, and that's it. So I'm in this Airbnb. I have cable. I turn on TBN, which is like the gospel network. And uh, I remember Stephen Furtick is on TV. Um, he's the pastor at Elevation Church, and he is talking about the message is titled How to Save Your Marriage. And the point that he made during his sermon was that <clears throat> a lot of times what we're taught in you know, mainstream media and in, through movies and things like that is that love is an emotion and that it's conven- it's your personal happiness dictates how well you love. And he said, we choose convenience over commitment. And marriage is not something that we do for our own benefit, for our own convenience and for our own happiness. It's a, it's a commitment. It's a, a God-ordained commitment that we have committed to, not, with the, not just with our spouse, but to God. And when we break that covenant, then we have broken a covenant with our spouse and with God. And I just remember like hearing that and just feeling like, you know, God, I know you're in this right now. I know that you're speaking to me through this. Like, what are the odds that I've never heard? I, I've followed Steve Furtick for years. I've never heard him preach on marriage before like that, and I, especially to to say that. And um, it was just a really great moment. And I just kind of felt this peace of, about everything. Like, 
God was allowing this to happen in my life, and he just wanted me to not miss what he had for me. And so he continued to, you know, just breathe life into me. Um, I also remember that same week while we were separated, I, my, one of my best friends who I worked with at my last job um, just got laid off. And they had a big round of layoffs. A lot of my friends got let go, but he lived only a couple blocks from my house. And I remember <clears throat> going home one day and he texted me what happened and we went and we got dinner. And I just remember we were both in the booth. It had been obvious we had both been crying all day. Like our faces are all red and swollen. And um, I just there, I was, I was telling him what was happening in my life. And I was like, hey, man, I know you're going through something hard. I am too. Like, I feel you. And I'm here for you. And right there, I was just able to kind of share the gospel with him and what God was teaching me and things that he was doing in my life. And sometimes it takes suffering for people to open up to God's word because a lot mm. of people you know, when things are good, they don't feel like they need a God to dictate any portion of their life. And But in that moment, it was just nice because it was God's way of opening up that conversation and me being able to relate to somebody else going through, you know, a bad situation in that way. And it, it was another reminder, you know, this was, this was literally all in the same week that, you know, God was in control of the situation. He was allowing this to happen for a reason. And I just clung on to that. Um, so, you know, fast forward, uh, even still, I, I come home, and um, she's, she's gone, and I have no idea where she is. And at this point, I'm barely hearing from her on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, I just I continued just to pray. And this was one of those moments, too, where people from, our living from my living community really reached out, and they were like, hey, um, we know you're alone. Let's go have dinner. Like, come over. Let's uh, let's work. It. Let's go work out, or let's go um, get coffee, or whatever. And it was just nice to have people that I knew cared about me at a time when I felt my loneliest. I'm at a new job. I'm, you know, my wife is, our marriage is deteriorating, and I just feel completely broken. And it was, again, I just think that was God's way of reminding me that hey, I'm in control of this. I've put these people in your life for a reason. There's a reason you've been at this church. There's a reason that you met these people. And there's a reason that I'm putting you through this right now. So um, eventually um, she contacted me and said, I, I want a divorce. I, I don't want to be married anymore. Um, I'm not happy. And, you know, it, it took a while, but eventually I agreed to it because it just seemed like um, we weren't going anywhere. And so now, you know, that the, the divorce is in the works. It becomes final. We sell the house. I moved downtown. And um, that the week the divorce was final was when my grandma finally passed. And so now my parents are back out in San Diego again to make arrangements for the funeral. And I'm, I'm sitting here kind of alone again. And, and people from my living community are outreaching to me. And, um, it, it, you know, so this is these are things that, an average 27-year-old, I just I don't feel like that's something that you expect to face ever. It's just I felt too young to be going through something like this. Or, you know, I just felt like I did all the right things, and yet I was being dealt this hand, and, and it was just really hard to, to go through. What You talk about your living community and, and your prayer and your time in the Word. What, um, what impact, elaborate a little bit more on that, the impact the church had 
on you during that time? Yeah, so um, I've been with our living community for about three years now since they started, and uh, there was a lot of things that happened throughout the process that they were there for me for, and they were just, I mean, God's hands and feet throughout the whole thing. Um, a lot of it at the beginning was them us praying for us and them us and them, um, you know, meeting with us and that kind of thing. Um, and then when things got really bad, I remember um, I'm going to call them by name and they can be embarrassed if they want. Uh, Chris and Victoria, I remember they they he texted me one day and he was like, "Hey, we have tickets to a weekend to remember. It's this weekend. It was the week we separated." He's like, "It's this weekend. Our tickets and our hotel are paid for. Just have it." And I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible that, you know, that he would offer this to me. Um, ended up, we ended up not going, um, but it was just kind of God's love being shown through his people, and it, it was just great. And then um, I even remember, uh, you know, Kyle and Alyssa would meet with us, and, and they would pray with us, and um, they, they fasted, them and Chris and Victoria fasted for us, um, during the time we were separated, and, and they would just send texts and be encouraging, and um, it was it just meant a lot to me. And then, um, so my birthday was right around the right in between the separation and when um, the divorce was happening. And uh, I remember his, I mean, it was a terrible birthday, <laughs> but <laughs> Chris was like, he knew I was really struggling, he knew I was really hurt, and he did this, and I had no idea he was doing this. Um, so we go to meet for a living community, and I would usually go over to his house, and we would hang out. We would just, like, watch TV or just whatever, like, hang out until living community started. And um, we went over to the – this was when I was in Covington. We went over to the Covington house, and uh, all the lights were off, and I didn't see any cars. And I was like, I think, uh, I think they're not having it this week. I think we came <laughs> on the wrong week, on the wrong day. And uh, we go in, and they had th- and everybody surprised me, and they had thrown us. They substituted our normal Bible study with just a surprise birthday party, just to you know, kind of cheer me up. And they knew I was going through some hard things. So it, it's just those things, those acts of love that sometimes are, are just little things, sometimes are bigger things. Just really is the way that God shows His love to His people. Sometimes is through His people, and mm-hmm. it makes me really thankful to be a part of a church where. That's really being lived, and um, God's love is very apparent here in in the people that go here. And that's not just in my living community. That's just that's throughout all of them. I think it's I've never encountered um, anything like it in my life, and I'm incredibly thankful for it. Um, talk to us now a little bit about the impact. Let's kind of tunnel in a little bit about the impact of God's word. Um, during this time, where, where did you go when it comes to God's Word? Why go to God's Word? Um, talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, so um, where I went through God's Word, uh, just, you know, it just depends on the season of life you're in. Sometimes, sometimes it depends on, um, I don't know, just different things, just what, what you're feeling that day. Um, during this time in my life, I was reading a lot of verses on, you know, just biblical suffering and people who have suffered in God's Word. Um, I remember one of the most encouraging verses that I read was in John sixteen thirty three, where he's like, in this world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And, and I remember I just kind of wrestled with that verse and, and meditated on it for, for weeks because it was the encouragement that I needed to, you know, to kind of help me get through what I was going through. Um, kind of the last step before, before um, 
after the divorce happened, I was like, okay, this is, I'm going to schedule a marriage counseling appointment. Um, I had had somebody recommended to me who's a Christian marriage counselor. And I scheduled a time and I invited her to come and um, she never did come, but I continued to go to see him and we would go, we started going through a book by Paul Tripp. He's like, I think this is exactly what you need in your life. Um, and Paul Tripp has kind of since then become one of my like idols, somebody who I look up to for good biblical teaching. Um, but we, we started going through this book together and we would come, we would read a chapter and there would be verses in there and, and I would just go to those verses and I would study them. I just wanted to know more about what God was trying to teach me. And, and so it was kind of every week a, a new set of verses. He would give me verses a lot of times. Um, sometimes it would come from the book that we were reading. Um, and then that just kind of opened my world to all these resources out there. I, it, now, currently, we'll go to the Desiring God blog, and I subscribe to them on YouTube, and I'll just watch the videos, and I'll hear about scriptures, and I'll put them in my phone and be like, oh, that's interesting. I want to study that more. And um, that's kind of what I do. But at the time, it was, it was more guided. It was me meeting with um, the marriage counselor on a consistent basis, studying God's word together, learning together. Um, and I remember one of the things that he, he told me is the first time I ever met with him it, that just really encouraged me. He says, uh, you know, th w this whole thing is going to be through the lens of Scripture. He's like, nothing I will say to you will come, will be outside of God's word. And he, he explained the reason he does that. And he said, you know, there are always going to be events that happen in your life. And when those events happen, the, they'll produce thoughts in your head. And those thoughts will be your, determine your emotions, which determine your actions. And he said, if you have a biblical foundation, when those events come, you'll be able to have the right mindset going into it that whatever you face, good or bad, could be a job promotion, but even, even in the good times, even in the bad times, whatever it is, it's the biblical foundation that you need to process those events in your head, respond to them emotionally, and take action in a biblical way. And that kind of always stuck with me because now I'm just like, okay, that's, you know, that's how I'm going to see the whole rest of my life is through the lens of God's word, because it really does dictate your mindset and your actions and the outcome of your circumstance. Because we can either respond biblically or we can respond sinfully. And um, God's given us the tools to respond biblically. And why wouldn't we want to do it? We serve a great God who's been very gracious to us and given us what we need to get through these things. How do you think knowing God's word before all this happened influenced you during the suffering? Yeah, so, I mean, I've grown up in church most of my life. I was on staff at a church in, um, down in Kentucky for almost five years. Um, I went to a Christian school. <laughs> I've grown up around God's Word most of my life. And so having that foundation going into a situation like what I faced last year, or situations that I faced last year, um, really helped me to be able to know that there was hope in what I was going through, even while I was going through it. And um, I think a lot of times when we suffer, we, we question whether there's a God. We question if God is good or not. We question why he does these things to us. We question his love for us. 
And then we question ourselves too. What am I doing wrong that's making, allowing this to happen in my life? And, and I think just having a biblical perspective gave me the right mindset to know that God is, God, there is a God. He's not bad. He's very good. He's very loving. Um, and he's allowing this to happen to, for a reason. And um, one, of, one of the things that I read in the Paul Tripp book that I was going through is um, sometimes God takes you where you don't intend to go to produce in you what you can't achieve on your own. And he gives this example of the disciples in Scripture where they're um, suffering through something, but it was something that Jesus had asked them to do. And he goes, Jesus put them in that situation, in the suffering, because he wanted to produce in them something that they couldn't do on their own. And I just, I remember reading that and just being like, yeah, that's exactly why I'm going to God's word. This is exactly why I have that foundation, because God is going to sometimes direct your life in places that you're not going to be able to anticipate. Um, and I certainly didn't anticipate going through what I went through last year, but that's where God took me. And having that foundation to be able to say, okay, God, I know you're good, and I know that what, you know, what Satan has intended for evil, I know you can mm. use it for good. And that was kind of the hope that continually fed my soul as I, as I went through this. Um, and, you know, coming out on the other side, just closer to God, being able to share the gospel with people around me that normally would not have been open to hearing the gospel at all, um, having new influence kind of with my coworkers, with people that I was close with that have no biblical foundation, have no church background, and then even instilling life into people, the people around me and just kind of sharing what I'm learning with them and living community or just, you know, sometimes when we go out for dinner, just like telling them what I'm, what I'm teaching, what I've been taught through God's word is um, incredibly encouraging, incredibly hopeful. What would you, um, for someone that's maybe considering or reading God's word, getting in the Bible, or maybe they're thinking, should I read it, should I not, or, or whatever, what would you tell that person? Um, Yes, you should read. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, a lot of people, like new believers, have a hard time figuring out how to study their Bible or what to study, or they don't know where to start. Um, and that, and that can be a hard thing. The Bible's a big book. It can be kind of challenging to really know that. Um, and that's where I think resources like, you know, just get a book. Just go to a bookstore. Get a book. Um, <clears throat> I have people that I get books from. I get... John Piper books, I get Paul Tripp books, I get Tim Keller books, and I just read them. And then when a verse strikes me, I study that passage of Scripture. And I, um, and then a lot of times while I'm reading those books, I'll come up with questions in my head like, what does he mean by that? Or, or why is he saying that? I don't, it's not really what I've been taught before, and I've never seen it that way. And so then I'll, I'll go back to God's Word and I'll say, okay, God, why... Why would he be saying this? What are you trying to teach me right now? Um, and a lot of times if, if I'm stuck and I don't know where to go, I'll go to a book of the Bible that I've never read before. Because this is just my philosophy that uh, why read what I already know? Why not start somewhere where I've never been before? Um, and so I, you know, go to those scriptures and I'll be like, okay, I've never read Lamentations. Let's read Lamentations. And sometimes it's, you know, 15 minutes of me reading if life's busy and I can't, you know, fit a full line, like, I'm going to dedicate my evening to studying this passage of Scripture. Um, sometimes it is I dedicate my evening to studying this passage of Scripture. Um, and then another habit that I, that I do, um, 
I think people who are around my age might be able to relate to this is that uh, we Netflix a lot. <laughs> and uh, so what I what I started to get in the habit of doing is when I'm when I come home and I'm making dinner and I'm Netflixing, I, I will turn it off at a certain point and say, I'm replacing one episode of Netflix with time in my Bible. And and that's kind of been a good like tool behavior tool. I know I've gotten in the habit of doing that. So it's, it's a like, form of fasting. Yeah, it's a form yeah. of fasting. Yeah, got time it. Fasting, <laughs> I'm with you. you. Know, I'm Netflix. tracking with you on that yeah. one. Gotcha. Um, it, it's just a way for me to personally like that's an easy distraction sure. um, just to say okay stop now I'll read my Bible if I feel like going back to Netflix afterwards I will continue but you know uh, a lot of times I don't even I'll just you know stop at that point for the evening but um, that's been a good habit for me to get into I think people uh, who are in the habit of doing that which is everybody between the ages of 20 and 35, maybe 40. <laughs> I, I think um, something you said that you quoted a passage from Genesis, right? What um, was intended for evil, right? God is used yeah. for good. And I think that's something that a lot of times you, when you hear him talk, he's talking about God took me through this. God took me through this, right? And we have this idea of that, well, if I'm doing all these right things, then I shouldn't suffer. I, wouldn't, I was reading my Bible, grew up in church, was going to involved in serving, and yet God still had this as part of Matt's journey, because it wasn't about Matt per se. It was about God showing himself to Matt. And, and I think that's an important thing we need to remember, yeah. that sometimes God will bring these things and take us through these things to draw us closer to him, maybe even to reveal those things in our lives that are idols, where we're trying to find our security, where we're trying to find our identity. And he'll strip those things away, possibly, so that we can realize who he is and that our dependency is truly on him. Anything else before you just want to share before we? Yeah, one, and one more one more thing I want to say about this. Um, I, I grew up, and I heard this a lot, and maybe a lot of you are in similar situations where a lot of times churches like to separate knowledge and wisdom. They say knowledge and wisdom are two different things. They're not the same thing. And that's kind of true. It's only a little bit true. But I think it's a very narrow view of what God's word is. I think not the world's knowledge does no good when it comes to godly wisdom. Mm-hmm. But knowledge of God's word, and I'm holding on my iPad because this is my Bible, uh, knowledge of God's word leads to wisdom. If you want to be, if you want to exemplify the characteristics of God, you go to His word and read about the characteristics of God. If you don't go there, you have no way of knowing what Christ's character is like and how to exemplify that in your life and in the circumstances that you face. And everything we do in our journey as disciples of God is to glorify Him. The point of our lives is to glorify God. And when we're going to His Word and we're in Scripture, we read how to do that. We read how to do that when, when it's hard. We read how to do that when it's easy or when we're comfortable. And I think it's, we read how to do that even when we're celebrating, when there's something, when there's joy in our lives. Um, it's really important that we just continue to not separate knowledge of God's word from God's wisdom. It, it, they go hand in hand because you have to gain, in order to gain godly wisdom, you have to gain knowledge of godly character and what, and what God is and the characteristics of God. And there's so many biblical principles baked in every passage of scripture. Just go anywhere and just study it and read it. Take notes and just meditate on it. I think there's something to just kind of meditating on a passage of scripture for a period of time where God's able to open up and reveal things and you're able to connect 
dots where maybe you you didn't see it that way before and I think that's really important and that and that gives you the wisdom that you need to know how to love your spouse how to celebrate how to suffer through the loss of a loved one how to go through times of complacency or times where you just feel like you're not going anywhere in your life or how to parent that that's the tool that you need to do any of those things and the principles are very similar across everything it's just knowing God's word and knowing God's character and even if you know it just constantly reminding yourself of that every single day so that when your circumstances come when the events happen in your life and your mind starts going places and you and you start acting on those circumstances you know how to respond yeah and so I mean what you're saying is second Timothy 3 16 and 17 it works it works God's word truly equips you for every good work, even that work that involves suffering. Thank you very much. I want you with the person, persons near you, question for you to do, kind of share with each other. What's something that was said this morning as Matt shared his story that's sticking to you right now? Could be about something he said, could be something about relationship with God, his word. Just take a minute and with the people next to you, just kind of share what's sticking to you right now from some of the things that he shared as we've, as we've heard his story this morning. Go ahead and do that now if you would. Just go ahead and stand with me, please. My soul clings to the dust, but give me life according to your word. My soul clings to the dust, but give me life according to your word. All scripture is God-breathed. There is life, life in the words of God. Life. And Jesus affirmed this when he says this. He said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. They're life. Let's sing.